Welcome back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. At the moment, we're working our way through 1 Peter, this great little letter. Uh, it's short, but it is dense that Peter has written to these people that are suffering in the gospel in order to encourage them with the gospel, to remind them of the, the identity, the hope, the security that they have in Jesus Christ. It's also a letter that is to us as we suffer in Christ and at times because of Christ. We, too, have this identity, hope, and security that Peter lays out in this incredible letter. We've made it up to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. And verse 18 begins what is one of the most debated passages in church history. So I'm going to read verses 18 down through 21. And then we'll begin working our way through this. We're only going to look at verse 18 today. Uh, and over the coming days, we'll try to make sense of what is really a very difficult passage. Let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in. Father, we thank you for your word, even the hard parts. And we ask that you would strengthen us by your spirit, that we might understand your word, that we might see Christ more clearly. And that even as Peter sets him out as an example in our suffering, that we might be strengthened to rest in him and to live as we have been called. We ask this in Christ's most precious name. Amen. This is what Peter writes. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to him. Well, even just in the reading of that passage, it's not hard to see where the difficulties lie. And many of the interpretive issues here separate Catholics and Protestants, separate uh, all, all kinds of people within the church. And they are weighty issues. And, and I want to be clear, while I'm going to offer my take on these matters, I don't want in any way to pretend... Though I do think there is a way forward with this passage, I don't want to pretend that, oh, it's just this obvious, easy way forward, and, and clearly this is the right way to look at it. If you pick up any commentary, it will outline at least three perfectly viable positions based on the text. And we've got to be aware of that. Even going back in, in history, we saw that this was a difficult passage. Luther recognized the difficulty of this passage and, and, and stated such, saying that, look, he's, he's offering his thoughts on it, but he knows there are other things to be considered as well. So I don't want to dive into this uh, arrogantly or, or make you think that, like, oh, if people would just pay attention, then it would all be solved. By no means. This is a hard passage. So let's look at this first verse in it, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. So first of all, 
we need to notice something. It begins with, with a statement, with a word, with this particle for, this conjunction that connects it with what has gone before. So remember, Peter has just been reminding them that it's better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. He, he's just been on this long uh, statement about what it means to, to suffer injustice and, and injustice and how we do that resting in Christ. He's been reminding us that we can do that because the eyes of God are on us. He's reminded us that we don't even have to fear those who would persecute us and bring suffering to us. We don't even have to be troubled by them. Rather, what we should do is honor Christ the Lord as holy in our hearts. So he's been telling us this, and then he says, I'm telling you this because, for, the reason we can do this is because Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Here's what Peter is reminding his readers and us of. He's reminding us of the gospel and its eternal effect on us. He's reminding us that because Christ, the perfectly righteous one, because he suffered in the place of the unrighteous, we are secure. Because he suffered in the place of the unrighteous, we have been born again by his mercy to a living hope, to an inheritance that is undefiled and unfading and imperishable. Because he suffered once for sins and paid for them perfectly, satisfying the wrath of God, cleansing us from our sins, bringing us to God. Because his work in that regard is finished, nothing that we face here on earth can now separate us from God. As we read yesterday, it is Christ who justifies. Who can bring any charge? Nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. If by his finished work, he has brought you to his Father. Nothing in this life will separate you from God again. That's what Peter is reminding us of. We need not fear those who would cause trouble. We need not be troubled by those who would persecute us because they can't separate us from God because Christ, by his finished work, has brought us to him. How? Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Now, this is the first of the, of the kind of exegetical difficulties. And if you're following along in the ESV, you'll notice, uh, or, or any other English translation for that matter, you'll notice that I'm reading it slightly differently. The ESV says, he, he being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. I'm saying put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Here's what I think Peter's point is here. Even if our body is killed through persecution, through suffering, through whatever means this world has to offer against us, even if we, like Christ, have been put to death in the flesh, we too, like Christ, will be raised by the Spirit. 
Now, why do I say by the Spirit and not in the Spirit? Well, the verb that is used here for being made alive is only used a handful of times in the New Testament. And typically, the subject is God. It is what God is doing. He is the one who makes alive. So we read, for example, back in the Gospel of John, in chapter 6 of John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 63, we read this. It is the Spirit who gives life. The same verb. The flesh is no help at all. So there we see this contrast between what the flesh can do and what the Spirit does. And the specific point is that the Spirit gives life. If we flip over to the book of Romans, in chapter 8, verse 11, we read this. I'll pick up in verse uh, in, in, in verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life, same verb as in 1 Peter 3.18, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Notice Paul's point is that even if the body dies, the spirit will make us alive again. When we read now verse 3.18, we see why I'm arguing that The comfort here is that the Spirit makes us alive. That the Spirit, just like he gave life to Christ after he suffered death at the hands of this world, after his body was killed, the Spirit made him alive. So Peter comforts his readers and us that we can continue following Christ. We can continue to stand strong in him. We can continue to cling to the identity, the hope, the security that we have in him, even in the face of suffering. And we need not fear those or be troubled by those who would cause such suffering because even if, like Christ, our flesh is killed, so also, Like Christ, the Spirit will give us life again. That's the hope of the gospel that frees us from the tyranny of trying to preserve our flesh, which leads to the fear of this world and the ungodly fear of suffering in this world. That's why Peter can say that we don't need to fear or be troubled, because we have the promise of the life-giving Spirit of Jesus Christ. Might we rest in Him. Amen.